Okay, let's look at our scripture uh, that can be found in John 15, 1 through 8. Um, I will read it. Uh, again, uh, we're continuing on from last week. Uh, Jesus has just finished with his disciples uh, in the Last Supper, and they are walking to the Garden of Gethsemane where he is going to be arrested. And most likely they stop at a vineyard. And uh, on the way, they're walking through a vineyard, and Jesus gives this parable, uh, this uh, metaphor, if you will. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The word of the Lord. Well, if you remember last uh, Sunday, I held up this and said, this is a football. I was referencing, of course, that great quote by Vince Lombardi when he took the Green Bay Packers back to the basics for them to remember and understand what football was all about. It's about the fundamentals. And as Jesus is heading to the cross, he stops to remind his disciples about the fundamentals, the core realities of Christianity. I got to talk about two of them last week, that Jesus is the true vine, the blessed one, the one uh, through whom God's favor and blessedness comes to people. And that the Father is the vine dresser, that he is caring for his children. He's pruning them, he's disciplining them, he's shaping them. Every single thing going on in our life is part of the vine dresser's plan to shape us into Christ. But I wasn't able to get to the third reality. You are already clean in Jesus Christ. So we're going to cover that third reality, that third fundamental. And then we're going to answer the question, which Jesus answers in this passage. How do we live out this life in Christ? What does it mean that Jesus says, abide in me? So we're going to answer two questions. One, how do I live? And number two, what do I bear? So let's get on to that third reality before we answer those two questions. How do I live and what do I bear? And that third reality is you are already clean in Jesus Christ. That's what he says in verse 3. And what does it mean you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you? Clean means acceptable and approved by God. It's very interesting the word prune and the word clean have the same root uh, to each other. Jesus is saying you have been made possible to be in relationship with Christ, grafted into Christ. 
Remember, we talked about how grafting happens where the tissue of one plant, of one branch is, is brought into the vine and they actually grow together into this intimate organic union. Jesus is saying that you are, uh, you have been cleaned in such a way that you can be in relationship, full, unfiltered relationship with me and my Father. That's astounding when you think about it. Now, a little horticultural uh, jargon for you or, or thoughts with you. If you grafted a diseased branch into a diseased tree, uh, into a regular tree, that branch would take its disease and it would put it into uh, the, the trunk or the vine, if you will, right? The disease would come from one to the other. And that is the issue that mankind has dealt with from the beginning. Remember Adam and Eve, their sin in the garden. Jesus put, excuse me, Isaiah, uh, the prophet Isaiah put it this way. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So this is a good way to think about it. If you think that this is God and this is man, we were made to relate with one another in an intimate, personal way. We were made in the image of God. And we were made perfect in his image, in his creation. But when we sinned, and I apologize for being crass, but I don't know any other way to do it. If I am to pour this into this, you know what will happen, right? And God is holy. God is perfect. And so our iniquities, our sins have separated us from God so that he will not hear. Now, God so desired relationship with us that he set into place a plan from the beginning. And he began to demonstrate it in the Old Testament. Remember when God said he took the Israelites and he said, I will, I will dwell with you. I will be with you. But we still have this problem, don't we? And so the way God dealt with the people of Israel was in a very limited way, in a protected way, in which he would be with the people, but he would be in the temple. And there was no way that we could enter into relationship without him without sacrifice and bringing blood for our sins. But this is not the way that God meant for us to be. The way he meant for us to be is as I demonstrated earlier. So what is Jesus saying here in this passage? He's saying something monumental. He's saying, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. He's speaking to his disciples. What does it mean, because of the word that I have spoken to you? He's saying, disciples, you have believed when I say to you that I am the way and the truth and the life, and the door. You have believed all those things. And so I am going to the cross tomorrow, but I have already applied all of that to your record. I have made you clean. I have taken away the sin inside of you. 
And so that's what Jesus came to do, right? To make us clean. This is 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so for his people, what Jesus did was he took our sinful self, our sinful life, to himself on the cross, and he gave us his perfect life. He exchanged the record. And so what Jesus is saying to the disciples is this relationship has been renewed. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. This relationship between you and me can be what it was intended to be again. We have a new identity. This is a powerful truth, my friends. Because what Jesus is saying to us, if you are a believer in Christ, is that Christ loves all of me. He accepts all of me. He approves of all of me. There's not one cell of your body that Jesus is not proud of and accepts. As Romans 8.1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I ask you the question, who do you think you are? You see, many of us still feel like we are that dirty water. We still live with shame. We still think, I am not enough. And we hide from God. We live with fear that God will not accept us. We live in exhaustion, trying harder to become something. We believe the lies. I'm not enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. And so if I was to look at your relationship with Christ, even though there should be intimacy and fullness, really instead, your relationship looks more like this. It's not full. It's not intimate. And the question we have to ask is why? See, there's a difference between who you are and who you think you are. Who you are is the truth. But who you think you are can be even more powerful than the truth. Because perception is reality. See, here's the truth, my friends. Jesus Christ's love can only transform our hearts when that love is received in vulnerability. This is a good way to explain it. Let's say that I had the power, that God had given me the power to love my son, one of my sons, unconditionally, like God. I had that power. But let's say also that my son truly believed in his heart of hearts, that he is only loved when he behaves well. It's not true, right? My love for him is unconditional, but that's what he believes. 
Now, where did he get such an idea? Well, he got it from other people. He got it from Satan. He got it from looking at how the world works because the world is conditional. Now, it's not true, but it might as well be true because he believes it's true. And so here's what happens. The more I love him, the more he believes it's because of his good behavior. It reinforces the lie. And the more it adds to the terror that he has that he will lose my love if he fails to perform well. See, all of us have what we would call a false self. An identity that I have built apart from God to get my needs met. Now, what needs to happen for my son to experience my unconditional love in his fullness? He has to be real. He has to be willing to bring himself and all of his faults before me to find out if I do truly love him. And that's a terrifying experience. See, most of us, when we come to Jesus Christ, are like those that come to a doctor. And we go to the doctor and the doctor says what's wrong and we say nothing. Well, what do you mean nothing? Why, why did you come? Well, look at all of the parts of me that are doing really well. My arm is doing great. My, my brain, I'm thinking well. My No, what's wrong? You see, it's Jesus that said, the healthy have no need of a physician. He came to save the sick and the sinful. Our natural inclination is to bring the most presentable parts of ourselves to our encounter with God. But God wants us to bring our whole self to the divine encounter. He wants us to trust him enough to meet perfect love in the vulnerability of our shame and weakness and sin. Maybe the reason that you cannot feel the love of God is because you dare not accept it unconditionally. To know that you are loved, you must accept the frightening helplessness and vulnerability by showing him your true state. I used to wake up exhausted. And why was the reason that I wake, woke up exhausted? I thought about this a lot. And I realized that the reason that I woke up exhausted was because of every day that I woke up was a day that I had to begin to prove again that I was worthy of existing, that I was worthy of love. See, deep down, I believed the lie, I am what I do. Now, you may ask the question, Carlos, was this before you were a Christian or it was after you were a Christian? The answer was after. Well, aren't you a pastor? I mean, haven't you gone to seminary? Haven't you learned all of this stuff? We're all, all in this together. And so I could not experience the fullness and love and acceptance of Jesus Christ because I could not accept myself. And you see, there is only one way to fix this problem. And that was to go to Jesus with the question, do you love me when I fail? Do you love me when I'm average? Do you love me when I screw up? 
and to sit there and to let him heal me, to let him speak into that woundedness and lie in my life and to say, I died for you, Carlos, all of you. I love all of you. So do you feel loved by God? Do you feel clean? Can you bring all of yourself to Jesus? Or does your relationship with Christ look more like that baggie in that water? Our fearful, angry, and wounded parts of ourselves can never be healed unless they are exposed to divine love. And that is why we must meet God's love in our vulnerability and brokenness, not simply in our strength and togetherness. Because only as we do so can we be truly healed. So what must we do? This is what we must do. Three things. Number one, be honest. Face the lies that ground your identity. Be willing to look at the truth of where you find your value. I am what I do. Maybe that's yours. I am the grades that I get. I am the salary I earn. I am the position that I have. Or maybe it's I am how I look. When I look in the mirror, that's, that's who I am. Maybe it's I am what others think of me. My friends, my parents, my spouse. What are you letting define you? Be brave. Excuse me, be honest. And then the number two is be brave. Go to him with all of yourself. The ugly stuff. The shameful stuff. The lies. The broken parts. The wounds. Bring it all before Jesus Christ. Be honest. Be brave. And be still. Wait there at Jesus' feet. Till you hear his voice. Till you know that you are the beloved. Till you know the truth that you are already clean. Why is that so important? That brings me to my second point, how I live. See, why is it so important to know that I am fully loved and accepted by Jesus? Because who I am reflects how I live. Jesus is saying this because the next sentence he says is abide in me. The type of life that Jesus wants me to live is a dependent, trusting life. And I can only do that if I trust that Jesus actually does love me unconditionally. That I have been grafted into Christ. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. See, Jesus is looking for a much deeper relationship with the disciples than abide with me, right? He's saying, abide in me. See, before they were with Jesus 24-7, and then Jesus would send them out and they would go do something and they would fail at it, right? But Jesus is saying, no, 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 abide in me. 
and through me, you will succeed. You will bear much fruit. John 14, 12, and just a little while ago in the Last Supper, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. See, Jesus is saying, this is a new type of relationship disciple that I want to have with you where I am the vine and you are the branch. Now you see, all of our lives started out with us trying to be the vine. Did you know that? All of our lives started out with us believing, I am the center, I am the source, I can get what I need. Children are profound, profoundly self-centered. And I'm not just talking about them needing to cry in order to get what they need. No, obviously that makes sense. But as children grow, it's me, 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 isn't it? Children have to be taught to share. They have to be taught to wait their turn and to be patient. And that sticks with us because in our heart of hearts, we grew up starting out believing that we were the vine. If you don't believe me, when you get a stack of pictures and look through them, who's the first person that you're looking for? Me. Not me, you. See, we believe that other people are the branches that are to revolve around me as the true vine. And at some point, hopefully, we discover that it doesn't work. That we don't have life in ourselves that we don't know how to run our life or be content, that we're miserable. Have you ever, ever met a happy, self-centered person? No. And all we were able to do is to take from others rather than giving. And so Jesus is saying to us, I want you to live like a branch. Now, to live like a branch, you have to do two things. Number one, recognize that you are not the vine. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You have to understand that you have zero ability to create fruit in yourself. You must remember who you are. And so that leads you to the second point, which is to abide in Christ. Let's say that there was a plant here and a branch was separated and had the capacity to understand that it was separated from the vine. What would it do? It would immediately look for the vine, wouldn't it? Because it knew what it was. And so Jesus is saying, abide in me. If you are the branch, if you understand that, which you are, abide in me. This word abide in the Greek, meno is the Greek word. There are several synonyms for it other than abide. Some Bibles translate it different. Your uh, version of the Bible might be remain in me or stay in a given place in me or continue in me. 
or live in me. Now notice what it uh, doesn't say. It doesn't say connect to me, does it? And the reason it doesn't say connect to me is because you are already connected to him. Rather, to remain in the connection that, uh, that Jesus has given us with him. Live out of who you already are is what Jesus is saying. And I like this word abide. Because abide is not a one-time thing, is it? Abide denotes constancy, continuing on. It's waking up. It's brushing your teeth. It's while you're going to work. It's while you're eating lunch. It's while you're exercising. It's something that continues on. It's living in a new reality, living by a new method. And notice what he says, abide in me. There's a new center of our life, and that's Jesus. It's him. It's in me. This is in the context of a relationship. It's not a technique. It's not a way of living better. It's a living bond with the living one, Jesus Christ. You see, a branch is not focused on maintaining its own identity. It finds its identity in the vine. Jesus is saying that you no longer are what you do, but rather what I did. It's looking to have our needs met from Jesus Christ. Our need for love and strength and purpose and joy and contentment. The very things that Jesus demonstrated while he was living through his life in the Father, right? In John 8, 29, Jesus says, and he who sent me is with me and he has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. See, Jesus was connected to his Father and his eyes and his focus was on his heavenly Father to please his heavenly Father. Jesus is saying, I want you to do the same thing with me, to center your life around me. Now, why would I do that? Well, it's because I'm in love with him. And he's in love with me. And he has made me clean. As Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus was like that with the Father because he loved him. And Jesus is saying, be like that with me because I love you. Now notice that Jesus gives this as a command, abide in me. It's in the imperative tense. We have a part to play. If Jesus says abide in me or remain in me, does that mean that we can separate from him? The answer is actually no. Now you may ask the question, well, doesn't it in verse 6 say, if anyone does not abide in me, 
He is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. That that verse used to terrify me, by the way. But we always have to read one verse from the Bible in the context of the whole Bible, don't we? Didn't Jesus already say that I'm already clean? Doesn't 2 Corinthians 5.17 say, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. Didn't Jesus say, if anyone would see the kingdom of God, he must be born again? No, I have a new identity in Christ. I will not be cast off. So Jesus is really talking more about people like Judas, who looked like he was a branch in the vine, right? But instead, we discovered from the fruit that he bore that he was not. So, Carlos, if you're saying that we will always abide in Christ, why is Jesus telling us to abide in Christ? It's because of this. Although we can never be separated from Christ, if we are truly in him, we can stifle the flow of Jesus' life and love in our hearts. I live in an oxygen environment. It's all around me. I'm part of it, and I need it, and I'm taking it in. Even the last 20-plus minutes that I've been talking, I've been breathing. Now, I can do something. Watch me do it. I'm going to hold my breath, okay? Now, you're wondering how long I can hold my breath, of course, which is not very long. You see, what will happen as I hold my breath as I stifle the flow of this life-giving oxygen, things will start to go very bad for me, right? And at a certain point, I am going to have to breathe. My body will automatically do it. Why? Because I'm designed for that environment. See, if we're in Christ and we decide to hold our breath, After a while, Jesus is going to open up that pathway again, painfully, if he has to, because we are in him and he is in us. See, that's what happened with the apostle Peter, right? Jesus said to his disciples, abide in me. And shortly thereafter, they were confronted with this reality. Do I deny Christ or do I follow him? And Peter decided to stop the flow. And he experienced the pain and the suffering. He could have stood firm for Jesus Christ then if he had remained in him, but he decided not to. See, it's a process of learning. And so the question that I want to answer for you and me today is how do we abide in Christ? Well, when you look at a branch... What qualities do you see that allow it to continue to abide in the vine? You see dependence. You see trust. You see surrender. And I'm going to give you three things that you can be doing to continuously abiding in Jesus Christ. Number one, remain in his love. Remain or abide in his love. Verse 9, which is not in your passage, we'll preach on that next week, says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. We need love 
all of us. That's our oxygen, by the way. And we can go a variety of different places to get it. And Jesus is saying, I want you to come to me to get it. Begin your day at the cross. Stay near the cross throughout the entire day. Come to me for the love that you need. And it opens the pathway, if you will. You know, when I go to get in my car and I want to go somewhere and I put my foot down, what happens? It opens the flow for that gas to flow to the engine, right? See, these are steps of dependence. When I look to Christ for love, when I push down the pedal, it opens the pathway for that flow to come from Jesus to me. Number one, remain in his love. Number two, continue in his words. I'm speaking about what we believe. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Notice how Jesus changed it from and I in you. He says, and my words abide in you. In other words, Jesus is saying, believe my promises. Believe what I say about myself and what I say about you. In John 8, 31, Jesus said to those who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Believe in what Jesus has said, not just Sunday, but all of the time. Remain in his love, continue in his words, and finally, keep his commandments. Continuing in his words is what we believe. Keeping his commandments is how we behave. Make a decision to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is especially focused on this new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, let me ask you the question, can we do any of these things on our own merit and power? Believe in his words, keep his commands, remain in his love. No, we can't. But each one of them, as we desire to do them, if we are looking to Jesus Christ, it's like pushing our foot down on that pedal and opening up that pathway. Each one of them are steps of dependence, looking to Jesus. And that's what Jesus is saying. Abide in me. Look to me. Trust in me. Depend in me. And I will give you what you need. And so I ask you, what kind of life do you live? Are you still trying to be the vine? Or are you like a branch in the vine? If you're trying to be the vine... You're always suffocating. You're living a self-centered life. And you're discouraged and you're defeated. And you have no love to give for others. But if you are living as a branch, there's a closeness and an intimacy to Jesus Christ. There's not a fanatical need to be first. And you have something to give to other people. So recognize who you are. Abandon your God project and abide in Christ. His love, his words, and his commands. And you 
will bear fruit. And this brings me to my final point, what we are to bear. Jesus said in verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Notice that the command that Jesus is giving us is not to produce fruit. The command that Jesus is giving us is to abide in him, right? The fruit is the result of abiding in him. He doesn't say, and you will produce much fruit. He says, you will bear much fruit. Our responsibility is to abide. His responsibility is to produce the fruit. And what is that fruit? You have to look to the vine to know the fruit, right? We talked about this last week. If you want Cabernet grapes, you need to plant a Cabernet vine. And we know the vine that we are plugged into. It's Jesus Christ, right? So if we're abiding in Jesus Christ, the type of fruit that we will produce is the type of fruit that comes from Jesus Christ. And we know the fruit of Jesus Christ, right? We saw his life, his love, his passion and obedience to the Father, his care for others. See, Jesus, his desire is to work and live through us to change the world. Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the fruit that you will bear as you abide in me is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In verse 8, he says, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is how glory is brought to the Father. He wants us to produce much fruit, and he designed us to produce much fruit. Isn't it interesting that Adam and Eve were created and put in a garden to till it? To bear fruit of its soil, right? That's the very thing that we are supposed to do. My final point, and then I'll close. If you abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, Jesus says, and it will be done for you. How can we be effective in prayer? And it's through prayer that we change the world, right? Prayer is the ultimate dependence in God. If our attitude and spirit is abiding in Christ, then that flow that's coming into our hearts, our will and our desire will be to do his will. And so the prayers that we pray will be aligned to the purposes of God. See, my friends, we're all bearing something. So what are you bearing? Look at who you're connected to, and I'll tell you what you are bearing. Abide in Christ, an attitude and a spirit of dependence, trust, and surrender. And the fruit will come. For Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. 
Jesus, thank you that we are clean in you. And Lord, let us examine our lives to see what it is that we're holding on to, that we're not bringing to you, that we're basing our life on, that is stifling the intimacy that we were created to have in you. God, help us to recognize that we are not the vine. We are the branch. Help us to seek you as our very life. And as we remain in your love, as we believe your words, and as we obey your commandments, all by faith, let you do your work in us. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.